Well, hello and welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. We're going to just jump right in here and start off with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for all those that have tuned into this video. And we just pray, God, that your will will be done, Father, and that you would teach us, Holy Spirit. We invite you into the Bible study. We invite you, Lord God, to open our eyes and let us see those things that we've not seen before. And we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, greetings to you. Um, I would like to, actually, before I get started, I want to acknowledge my cameraman. <clears throat> uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, you all don't get to see him, but my husband, David Anderson, I just have to uh, just give him his props and his credit because he is the one that makes sure that I'm, I'm okay and I look okay and um, that everything's uh, decently and in order, and uh, he helps us set it, set up this whole um, pictures back here and the books and all that. He did all that, so I'm very thankful, and I just want to say thank you to my wonderful husband for um, being the wind beneath my wings, being underneath there to support me, because he's definitely a support to me, and I appreciate him so much. So let's just jump right in. We want to start, we read last week, Genesis chapter 3. We read the entire chapter. So this week we're just going to <clears throat> dissect it and uh, see what the Holy Spirit would show us in uh, that chapter. So let's start with the fact of in verse 1 it talked about the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. Now when you look up the word shrewd in the Bible, in the dictionary, it means to be clever and cunning. Uh, some of the other translations said the serpent was subtle, the King James Version, uh, meaning he was crafty. He was skillful in deceiving others. So we're talking about the serpent who we know is a type of the enemy and a type of the devil that he was even back then uh, using the serpent to deceive Eve. I also want to bring to your attention the fact that uh, angels were present during this time. If you, um, the book of Job, it talks about how God spoke to Job. And actually, God was giving Job what for. They was having this conversation and, and uh, God basically was telling Job, where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? Uh, let's just read it right quick in Job chapter 38, verse 4 through 7. And it's, it reads, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and who stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So basically God is saying, Joe, where were you at when I created the heaven and earth? I, I, I laid out the cornerstone, I surveyed the line, I did all that, and while I was doing it, the morning angels were singing. The morning stars were singing, and the angels were shouting for joy. So if they, they were shouting for joy when he made the creation, that means they were there. So the angels were there, and obviously um, uh, the serpent uh, in the form, the devil in the form of the serpent was there because here he is trying to deceive Eve. So in verse 2 through 7, it talks about how the serpent tricked Eve into disobeying uh, God's command. And 
we just need to remember that we talked about the Adamic covenant that Adam and Eve were under. And part of the covenant, let's just review that so that we're clear. A covenant is an agreement. And the agreement that God had with Adam and Eve was, was number one, that they are to be, number one, fruitful and multiply. So God wanted them to reproduce. Number two, he told them to fill the earth and govern it. The original word was to subdue, which means to conquer and bring everything under your subjection. So in other words, he told them to fill the earth and I want you to manage it. You're going to be the managers. You have the authority over all that I have created. And number three, he told them to reign or rule over the, the fish, the birds, and all the animals. So he gave them authority. Authority was delegated to, to man to rule over everything God created. And remember, humans were made in God's image. We represent God. As his ambassadors, we were given the authority to rule on the earth. And then the, the fourth part of that covenant was that God told them in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat it, you are going to die. So let's just review that one more time. The Adamic covenants, he told them, to one, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Two, I want you to fill up the earth and govern it, manage it. Number three, I want you to rule over the fish, the birds, and all the animals. I'm giving you the authority. You're the boss. And then the fourth thing is you can do, you can eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that was the agreement that God made with them. But as we can see in verse two through seven, uh, they disobeyed God's command. The serpent, the serpent tricked Eve into disobeying God's command, and she ate the forbidden fruit and gave Adam some as well. And uh, as you read that, that's interesting because it says, um, it appears that Adam was with her. Now, we don't know if he was with her the entire time that the serpent was trying to talk to her or if he just walked up. It doesn't really give all those detailed descriptions, but it tells us... Um, if you look in verse six, it said the woman, after the serpent was talking to her, so the woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and we're in Genesis chapter three, verse six. She took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. So, you know, we don't know if he was with her the whole time or if he walked up and, you know, in the middle of uh, her having this conversation or walked up when she was about to eat it. We don't know. But it said he was with her. So, which is interesting because we know that Adam knew better. God had told him not to eat of the fruit. So, he wasn't really deceived. He knew what God had said. But Eve was the one that listened to the devil and was deceived. Immediately... Their eyes were open and they were ashamed that they were naked. And they sold fig leaves to cover themselves. So here they, they broke the covenant. All of a sudden their eyes are open. And now they, they've lost something here. They've lost their purity. They've lost their innocence because now they feel like um, they're naked. They know they're naked and they want to cover themselves. So they took fig leaves and sold them together to cover themselves. Now, how many people know fig leaves 
that's not gonna last very long. It's, it's not even sufficient to, to keep to keep them covered. But that's what they did to try and and fix the problem. And oftentimes when when we've been exposed, when our sin has been revealed, when God points something out to us that we're doing, uh, we shouldn't try to cover ourselves. We shouldn't try to hide hide it from God or because he already knows, let him cover us. Let him cover us by his blood. And we're going to see how God did that. And it says Eve was, Eve was supposed to be Adam's partner and helper. And this is important. But here she took the lead and led Adam into eating the forbidden fruit. Now, take note of that. Eve was supposed to be his helpmate. She was supposed to be walking by his side. They were supposed to be a team. Well, she's kind of jumped out in front of him and she's doing the leading. And, you know, Adam, this looks good. We should eat this. You know, she's leading him into doing the wrong. Adam was also to blame. You can't just say that Adam, you know, uh, was innocent in this. He was to blame because he could have stopped Eve, but he did not. So again, they fell from that peaceful place they were in. They lost that innocence that they had when they ate the forbidden fruit. Remember, they were in such peace and tranquility, and it was awesome in the garden. Well, immediately when they ate the forbidden fruit, they, things started to change for them. They started to see things differently. In verse 8 through 14, Adam and Eve heard God come into the garden, so they hid. The all-knowing God called out to them, where are you? God knew where they were, but he needed them to recognize that they were now in a different place. So Adam and Eve hid from God. Again, you know, like I said, when, you, when, when you're caught red-handed, when you're caught with your cook, hand in a cookie jar, we need to just come clean. Because at this point, God is trying to get them to come clean. God knew where they were. He's God. So he knew exactly where they were hiding. But he wanted them to confess their sins. He wanted them to come clean. And we need to learn to do that because you can't hide from God. If you failed last night, if you did something you weren't supposed to, maybe you fornicated or something, you know, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Lord, help me not to do that again. Lord, I, I, I want to be changed. I want to be clean. I want to be pure because he saw you. He know what you did. Okay. It, it's not like he's asleep. He sees everything. So you might as well confess and come clean. Oftentimes when people, um, are battling and going through changes and have sin in their life, they they run away from God, like as if God can't see them, you know, like they don't want God to see them or they're hiding. You know, they run away from the church. They don't want to be around Christian people because I, I guess they think people can see their sin. But to be honest with you, that's the, that's the best place for you to be is at church with God, confessing your sins. God, I, I'm not going to try and hide from you. I'm just going to lay here open and bare and say, God, just deal with me. Cleanse me. I'm, you already know me. You know I'm not perfect. You knew I had these issues and these, these shortcomings. And God, I just ask you to cleanse me. Fill me up, Lord. Because God sent Jesus because of that. He already knew that we had shortcomings. And that's why he sent Jesus to die for your sins. And you have to accept the blood of Jesus. Because when you don't accept the blood of Jesus, it's like slapping him in the face and say, well, uh, Jesus, you, when you died on the cross, you covered other people's sin, but you can't cover mine. Now, we know that's that's just craziness. He covered your sins, past, present, and future. As hard as that is for us to get our minds around it, whatever I did on yesterday, 
If I fall today, not saying that I plan on falling, but if I do, if I fall tomorrow, that's how awesome Jesus was when he came here and died on the cross because he died for your sins, past, present, and future. And because we have that grace, because we have that covering of his blood, does that mean that we should keep sinning? No, God forbid. No, we don't keep sinning. But we have an advocate with the Father in case we do sin. Jesus just, he just took care of it all because he knew we, who we were. He knew we had shortcomings. He knew that we were going to keep messing up. So run to God instead of away from God when you, when you sin, when you fall, when you fall short. Ask for his forgiveness. Lay open bare before him and let him deal with you. Now, for the first time, they saw themselves naked. God knew they had eaten of the forbidden fruit. Their innocence was lost. And then in verse 12 through 13, we have that Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. So now we have the blame game. Don't blame people for what you go through, for, for uh, some shortcomings that you have. Start accepting some, some uh, responsibility for your own actions. Uh, stop, don't point the finger. Because Adam, Adam, what did he say? He actually, he blamed God. Well, I thought he had a lot of nerve to do that. But he said, God, he said, the woman you gave me. You know, so God, it's your fault. You gave me this woman. And then he blamed the woman and she gave to me. So he blamed God and the woman. And then the woman blamed the serpent. Well, the serpent gave it to me and I ate. So everybody's blaming uh, someone else. But just, just be accountable for yourself. Uh, and don't go through life trying to blame people, you know, for your issues. It's like, okay, I did this or I'm at this state, but I don't have to stay here. Take responsibility for yourself. I don't have to stay here. I can change my situation. I can, I can, uh, make this different. I can make this better. You don't have to stay anywhere. We can allow God to move you to, uh, higher heights and deeper depths. Verses 14 through 15 said, God promises his judgment on the serpent. He will be cursed to forever crawl on his belly. From this day forward, there will always be hostility. The serpent's offspring would always be an enemy to Eve's offspring. So uh, just to note about that crawling on his belly, um, I think that's interesting because it was a curse for him to crawl on his belly. So it kind of makes you wonder... Uh, well, how was he getting around before that now this is a curse that you're going to forever crawl in your belly? Because that's, that's the way we've seen serpents since we've been able to see a serpent. They've been crawling on the ground. So was he kind of upright? We don't know. But anyways, he was cursed to crawl on his belly. So from this day forward, there will be hostility between the serpent's offspring and Eve's offspring. And this is actually what you call a messianic prophecy. And a messianic, I'm spelling it M-E-S-S-I-A-N-I-C. A messianic prophecy. P-R-O-P-H-E-C-Y. And the reason why it's called that oftentimes because it was prophesying about the Messiah. The Messiah being Jesus Christ. And it was basically saying that uh, the devil and Christ was going to have this confrontation and Christ was going to end up being the victor and stepping on the devil's head, although Christ was going to be bruised. And, and speaking about the cross, because Christ was bruised at the cross. He was um, bruised for us and crucified for us. So uh, that's uh, Genesis 3.15. is considered a messianic prophecy talking about Christ. 
And all through the Old Testament, we're going to find scriptures that are pointing to Christ. That's why it's good to read the Old Testament as well as the New Testament because um, I learned this saying a long time ago that the old is in the new. Wait a minute. The old is in the new revealed. The new is in the old concealed. And which tells us that a lot of things that are in the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And God has to show you that I was talking about my son coming when I, when that, when I gave him that scripture. Um, and then the New Testament reveals everything about the son. So anyway, that was just one of those uh, catchy phrases we, we learned a long time ago. But it said, he will strike your head and you will strike his, his heel. And again, it speaks of Jesus defeating Satan. So this is God's secret weapon, his plan to redeem his creation at a later time. Verse 16, the woman's punishment was that from here on out, she would have more pain when giving birth. Also, she would forever try to rule over her husband, but instead her husband would rule over her. So in verse 16, it tells us the, one, the woman's punishment. And her punishment was that from here on out, it, it would be more pain in having a child. And so, which leads us to believe she, there was some pain involved with childbearing, with having children. But this uh, indicates that her pain was going to be, wait, it's going to be worse. It's going to intensify. So she's going to have more pain when she has children. And she will forever try to rule over her husband. Hmm. Now, remember, initially they weren't trying to rule over each other. They were a team. They worked together. Well, now it said you're going to ever want to, forever want to rule over him. But instead, he is going to rule over you. So her punishment is since you took the lead and led him to eat that fruit, well, now he's going to be leading you. He's going to be in front of you, and you're still going to want to lead him, but he's going to be leading you. So this was a curse because originally the man and the woman were a team whom God set over his garden and everything he created. The woman was Adam's helpmate. But since she took the lead and persuaded her husband to eat the forbidden fruit, because she took the lead, now God will cause her husband to lead and rule over her. Some have said that this is where the battle of the sexes began. The woman wanted to control and dictate to her man, and the man was set on dominating and lording over the woman. The battle of the sexes has begun. This was not the original state of things. This is all the result of the fall. They were created to be a team and work together. Now there are going to be some issues. It's like a power struggle has started. But take heart. Jesus came and broke the curse and redeemed us. Now a husband and a wife only need to put on Christ who will show them how to love each other and respect each other and teach them how to submit to each other. So if, if you want your marriage to work, make sure you put Christ in the center of your relationship. When I, when I say that, I'm saying that you listen to the Holy Spirit. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit because if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he's going to tell you when, you when you're wrong. He's going to tell you when you need to apologize. He's going to tell you when you need to be quiet. He's going to tell you how to love each other. He's going to show you that and how to respect each other. And he's going to teach you how to submit to one another. That's when you're listening to him. But you have to be listening. You can't just say, well, Christ in the center of my marriage. But when he tugs on you to apologize, you never do. So you not only have to put him in the center of your marriage, but that means you listen to what he has to say. And you move when he checks you and tells you you, you need to fix something in your marriage. 
verse 19 through um, 17 through 19. It said, because Adam listened to his wife, God cursed the ground, making it so that Adam would have to work hard the rest of his days to, to get food for his family to eat. So obviously it was not a task to eat in the garden. They just walked up to a tree and ate his fruit. So now Adam is cursed. The ground is cursed, not Adam. The ground was cursed because of Adam. And he was going to have to work hard for the rest of his life to get food for his family. Verse 21. This was the first time an animal had to be sacrificed. Remember, uh, they had sown fig leaves to cover themselves. Well, God took... God killed an animal and made made them a covering from animal skins. And this was the first time that an animal had to be sacrificed to cover their nakedness. So the balance of creation has changed. Blood had to be shed. This is a type of the ultimate sacrifice. The fact that the sacrifice that God made of this animal is another thing that's pointing to Jesus Christ. This is a type of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus had to pay to cover our nakedness. Because in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So that's just one of God's laws. In order for forgiveness to take place, someone has to die. There has to be some bloodshed. So an animal was killed in order for their nakedness to be covered. Just like Jesus Christ was going to be killed many years later for our nakedness to be covered. Verse 22 through 24 says, God did not want Adam and Eve to live forever in their fallen state. So he kicked them out of the garden because the garden also had the tree of life, which if they ate of it, they would live forever. So we need to note that uh, they had to be kicked out of the garden. Because if they had a stayed in the garden, they would have ate from the tree of life, which if they ate from the tree of life, they would live forever. And God could not allow them to live forever in their fallen state. But we will once again be able to eat from the tree of life because it tells us in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, because blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. So when we, once your roles have been washed, once we're washed in the blood and accept Jesus into our heart, we will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and to eat the fruit from the tree of life. In other words, we'd be able to live forever. Verse 24 tells us to make sure, make sure that they did not get back, to make sure they did not get back in the garden, uh, God uh, assigned cherubims. A cherubim is the second highest angel ranking under a seraphim, according to the World Book a Dictionary. And God set the cherubim to guard the entrance. He also put a flaming sword flashing back and forth uh, to guard the way to the tree of life. So the only way we will get back to that tree is by going through the cutting. So being washed in the word, and the fire, more through the fire and the test and the trials. Because it was a flaming sword. And we know the sword of the spirit is the word of God, which tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. And in chapter 6, verse 17, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And that our God is consuming fire. So in order for us to get back to that place in the garden where we once were, 
we would have to go through fire, which is trials and tests, which we are going through that right now. And we'll also have to allow ourselves to be cleansed by the word. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. There was a flaming sword. So that flaming sword has, we have to allow Jesus to cleanse us with his word. Allow the word of God to uh, cause us to be cleansed in the name of Jesus. In order to get back to our paradise, we will have to go through the fire and allow God's word to cleanse and purify us. So what do we want to get out of that? Uh, the whole chapter three. A couple things. Disobeying God has serious consequences. What do we want to learn from that chapter? You don't want to disobey God. Sin might be sweet at first, but there's going to be some consequences for your sin. So you want to think twice before you give in to sin. Because it, it, you're going to lose something. Adam and Eve lost something. They lost paradise. They had to get kicked out for that simple little thing of eating uh, of the fruit that God told them not to eat of. So you you wanna you wanna really think hard before you 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 fall, because uh, it might be it might be great for five minutes, but what are you gonna lose? Uh, if you, if you fornicate, you could end up uh, you could end up pregnant. You could get um, any kind of disease. If you're cheating and committing adultery, you could ruin your whole marriage for what five five minutes or something. So you need to consider that because you, it would be consequences behind falling into sin. And don't listen to the lies of the devil. That's another thing we need to learn. What are you listening to? Eve's biggest mistake was she started listening to him. And if you notice, when you listen to certain things, sometimes you get depressed. If you find yourself really depressed and down and out and doing some crazy things, what are you listening to? Because if when you're listening to the wrong things, it'll cause you to do the wrong things. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you're supposed to be thinking on things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. It says whatever things are excellent, you think on those things. So, so think on things of God. Get your mind elevated. You find yourself listening to negativity and thinking about something negative. Start praying, praying a praise tape or reading the word. Uh, listen to one of the evangelists on TV or, uh, you know, just start lifting your spirit. Feed your spirit, man. And, and watch what you're letting go into your ears and what you're listening to. And watch the tapes that you're playing in your head. Because sometimes you can re keep repeating something and remembering something and it just brings you down. So watch what you're listening to. Uh, another thing we need to take note of is that you can't hide from God. He sees everything. And we talked a little bit about that. Don't try and hide yourself from God. When you've fallen, just come clean. Just come clean before him. God, help me. I fail. Forgive me. Uh, fig leaves... Don't try to cover yourself. Allow God to cover you with the blood of Jesus. Don't try to hide your faults. Lay bare before God. God has already made a way for you with the blood of Jesus. He, you don't need to be ashamed or go and hide your face. What you do is just come clean. Say, God, forgive me. And he covers you with the blood and he accepts you with open arms. Amen. God gave us free will because he did not want robots. He wanted us to choose him because we love him not because he forced us to choose him. And the reason why I mention that is because, you know, some people wonder, well, you know, why would God give us a free will? Why would he allow us to make a choice to not do what he wanted us to do? And it's just simple because he wanted us to be lovingly and willingly his. God did not want robots, so he gave us a free choice. Adam and Eve died spiritually that day. 
but it took a while for them to die physically. So a lot of people, um, you know, look at what happened to God. Well, you know, God said they would surely die, but they didn't die. Well, they did. They did. The death, the death process started the day, the moment they ate of the fruit, they started to die. Uh, and they eventually died of old age because had they not eaten of the fruit, they could have lived forever. If they had stayed in the garden and ate of the tree of life, they would have lived forever. Amen. So let's learn some things from Adam and Eve because um, God, everything that he puts in the Bible is for us to learn from. So we need to learn that sin has consequences and uh, Adam and Eve's sin caused consequences for the whole human race. So whatever we do might cause consequences just for us, but sin has consequences. Amen. So let's just, um, um, I'm doing something a little bit different also. There's a video on my channel um, with the sinner's prayer because I decided to make a separate video of that. So if you're listening to this channel and you want to accept Christ in your life, uh, go to the channel and click on the sinner's prayer and that will lead you to Christ. Amen. There's also a longer video there that explains the salvation experience. So I just did that separate so we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be doing it at every single uh, taping. So let me just close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord God, for all those that are listening to this video. Holy Spirit, we just pray that your word will become real to us, oh God. Father, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, because we belong to you. Lord, we want to learn more about you. Open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our understanding, Lord God. Father, that we might get to know you even better. Father, and we're careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for joining me, and I will see you on next week.